First Kings chapter 22 this evening, First Kings chapter 22. I'm not going to read all of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at for the sake of time. But First Kings chapter number 22, verse number 1 is where we're going to start. It's fitting that we sang this evening about the Word of God because tonight I want to talk about being faithful to the truth. Faithfulness to the truth. So if you would find your place, 1 Kings chapter number 22. We'll start reading in verse number 1. And we're going to go through verse number 14. The Bible says, And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Wilt thou go with me to battle to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said unto them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides, that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him, for he doth not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chenana made him horns of iron, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, With these shalt thou push the Syrians until thou have consumed them. And all the prophets prophesied, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the king's hand. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spoke unto him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them. And speak that which is good. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. Father, we do thank you for our time together tonight. As we conclude this day, Lord, your day, I pray that you'd bless as you've done thus far. We thank you for the singing, always the fellowship. Lord, for the opportunities to meet. Lord, for the freedoms that we have. We praise you. We give you the glory. We We know, Lord, you're in control and you're in charge. We know we're not here by accident this evening. I thank you for the faithfulness of your people. I pray, Lord, now that you'd bless them. Not from what I say, because, Father, I don't have much to say, but you do. And your word does. And so I pray that they'd hear your word this evening. I pray that the truth would ring out loud and clear. That we would be encouraged and challenged to be faithful to the truth. And so, Lord, as we open the truth tonight, I pray you would... Fill me with your spirit. I need you tonight, Lord. I need your strength. I need your power. Lord, I need your mercy and your grace. 
I need ability, Lord, that I don't have. And so I pray that you'd give it to me. Speak through me tonight, Lord. I do pray and I ask. And Father, for those listening, I pray the same. That they'd hear, that they'd pay attention. That they'd want to hear from you this evening. So bless them by doing what needs to be done. Help us, Father. We do pray as only you can. And we do ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to, as quick as I can, go through the situation here and and what's going on. Uh, But the the circumstances that we find here in 1 Kings chapter 22, obviously it says that they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. So uh, Israel had once been one united kingdom, but now at this point it was a, a divided kingdom. You had King Ahab and Israel to the north, and King Jehoshaphat and Judah uh, to the south. And so now there's one kingdom been divided into two. And obviously this is during the period they were ruled by kings. And uh, Israel and King Ahab had, had been at war uh, with King Benadad, Benadad, and they had won. And there were three years now of peace. And what had taken place was, and we're going to go there in a little while and see, but the Lord delivered uh, the Syrians into the hand of Israel. And King Benadad was, was caught, and, and King Ahab spared his life. And uh, uh, King Benadad said, All the cities that we have taken from you will restore them, will rebuild them, will build you streets in Damascus. And will return the cities unto you. Now I don't know if all of the cities had been returned except for this one. But we do know that Raboth and Gilead had not yet been returned. It had been three years and they still had not received the city. There had been peace. There had been no war between the two. And Jehoshaphat came to visit uh, the king of Israel, Ahab. And Ahab says to his people, he says, you know, that Ramoth and Gilead, that's ours. What do you think? Do you think we should go down and take it back? And then he turns to Jehoshaphat and he asks Jehoshaphat, wilt thou go with me to battle? And Jehoshaphat says in verse 4 there, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And so Jehoshaphat says to Ahab, sure, I'll go with you. And Jehoshaphat, uh, or I'm sorry, then Ahab, it says, gathered the prophets together. Now, I think you know that these were false prophets. They were not true prophets. We might say they were on the payroll of Ahab. But he gathered the 400 prophets and he said to them, shall I go or shall I forbear? And they said, no, you should go and the Lord will deliver them into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat's kind of like, is there anybody else we can ask? And Ahab says, you know, I know one person that we can ask, Micaiah, but I hate him because he never speaks good concerning me, but only evil. And so Jehoshaphat then says, well, well, let's go ahead and ask him. And so they send a a messenger to to go get Micaiah and they bring him back and, and in the meantime... Uh, Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they put on their royal robes, they, they get their thrones, and, and it says they, they sit together 
um, in the gates. Uh, maybe it was in a, a coliseum or something of that sort. But they were sitting there in their, their, their king's attire and their thrones. The 400 were gathered around. Uh, a man by the name of Zedekiah built himself uh, 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 like a crown or a helmet with horns, uh, symbolizing what, what he believed that Ahab and Israel would do to the Syrians. And they go get the messenger and they bring Micaiah and the messenger says, Oh, by the way, the 400 have already spoken good to the king. The 400 uh, have one voice. Here's what they said, and it would do you well to say what they said. And Micaiah said, well, I'll say what the Lord says to me. How about that? And so Micaiah goes before the king, and the king asks him, he says, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And, And Micaiah says, go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Now, you might be a little confused there, but I hope you understand he was being sarcastic. He, being of the Lord, knew Ahab's desires and intentions. He knew what Ahab wanted to hear. He knew what the 400 had said. And we know that he was being sarcastic because Ahab didn't like not just what he said, but he didn't like how he said it. And he said to the king, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of... How many times am I going to have to ask you for you to tell me? And so then Micaiah goes on to say, and he, he essentially says what he saw in a vision. And he says, He saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd, verse 17. And the Lord said, These have no master, so let them return every man to his house in peace. And so that was saying that the king was going to die. And so the king said to Joshua, Jehoshaphat there, Did I not tell thee that he would prophesy no good concerning me, but evil? And then Micaiah goes on, it doesn't end there. And Micaiah continues and he says hear thou therefore the word of the Lord I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all the host of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left and he says that the Lord asked one of the host who shall I send to persuade Ahab to go into battle and so very clearly that God had determined that he was going to judge Ahab and Israel and that Ahab was going to go into battle and going to lose his life and so he tells, or he tells Ahab this, that the Lord said, and one of the hosts said, I'll go. And, and the Lord said, well, how are you going to persuade him? And in verse 22, he says, I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. They shall persuade him and prevail, and he'll go forth and do so. So Micaiah essentially tells Ahab that the Lord has put a lying spirit into your 400 prophets. And they're not telling you the truth. But this is what I've seen. This is what the Lord has said. And this is what is going to happen. Well, Zedekiah didn't like what Micaiah said. So he slapped him across the cheek. And Micaiah uh, said to Zedekiah, You'll see in that day because you're going to have to go hide. Because Israel's going to be sheep scattered on the hillsides without a shepherd. And they're going to wonder how you could let their king go into battle and lose his life. And so he says harsh words and speaks the truth to Zedekiah there, doesn't he? And the king of Israel says, well, take Micaiah, carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and tell him to put him in prison, feed him with the bread of affliction and with water of affliction until I come in peace. Ahab was pretty sure he was going to win and come back, even after what Micaiah 
had told him. And Micaiah, being bold and being a prophet and a declarer of the truth, he didn't leave it there. As he's being hauled away to prison, he says, If thou return at all in peace. And he says, The Lord hath not spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, O people, every one of you. And so we can continue on, but we know that Ahab and Jehoshaphat went into battle. Ahab was such a, such a courageous warrior that he told Jehoshaphat, he said, Hey, you, you wear my armor. You dress like me. And I'm just going to put on normal clothes so nobody will see me. And he went, they went into battle and, and, and Jehoshaphat, he cried out and the Lord spared him and saved his life. But there was one lone archer that shot an arrow and the arrow found the only crack in the armor of Ahab and Ahab was killed. And what Micaiah said was true. And I'm, I'm sort of shortening it up here and being a little brief, but that is essentially what has taken place. That's a situation, the context of where we find ourselves. Now, I want to notice some things about the three main characters we find here in this story. First off, we see King Ahab. Now, we know from the scriptures that King Ahab was the most wicked king that Israel had had up until this point. Turn with me to uh, chapter 16, verse 33. Chapter 16, verse 33. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Turn to chapter 21 and verse number 25. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel." And so we know that Ahab was a very, very wicked man. Another thing we can see and we can understand about Ahab was this. He done made his mind up. You talk like that in Pennsylvania? He done made his mind up? That's how we talk in Illinois, amen, so you have to forgive me. He'd already made his mind up. He had already determined what he wanted to do. He was not interested in seeking God. He was not interested in what God had to say. He knew what the 400 were going to tell him. He wanted everybody to agree with him. He wanted Jehoshaphat to agree with him. And that was the way that it was. We know something else about Ahab. He was seeking his own glory instead of God's. If you go to chapter 20, we'll read a few verses here and I'll show you what I mean. I I briefly mentioned it. But chapter 20, verse number 28 it says, And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel. This was, this was when they were at battle before. There's been three years of peace. This here was the, the previous battle. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not the God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thine hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord." And they pitched one over against the other seven days. And so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined. And the children of Israel slew slew of the Syrians and hundred thousand footmen in one day. But the rest fled to Aphek and to the city. 
And there a wall fell upon twenty and seven thousand of the men that were left. And Ben-Hadad fled and came into the city into an inner chamber. And his servant said unto him, Behold now, we have heard that the kings of the house of Israel are merciful kings. Let us, I pray thee, put sackcloth on our loins and ropes upon our heads, and go out to the king of Israel, peradventure he will save thy life. So they girded sackcloth on their loins and put ropes on their heads, and came to the king of Israel and said, Thy servant Benadad saith, I pray thee, let me live. And he said, Is he yet alive? He is my brother. Now the men did diligently observe whether anything would come from him, and did hastily catch it. And they said, Thy brother Benhadad. Then he said, Go ye, bring him. Then Benadad came forth to him, and he caused him to come up into the chariot. And Benadad said unto him, The cities which my father took from thy father, I will restore. And thou shalt make streets for thee in Damascus, as my father made in Samaria. Then said Ahab, I will send thee away with this covenant. So he made a covenant with him and sent him away. You know, I don't know if you're familiar, but there's been times in Scripture where God has said, you know, leave the spoil. And they took the spoil. Well, here's a time in Scripture where God said, I'll deliver them into your hands. And the very king of the people that God delivered into Ahab, Ahab had, and he said, all right, you can go. He should have killed him then, when the Lord delivered him. But then Ahab would have had to give praise to God. Then Ahab would have had to say that it was of the Lord's doings. But now, three years later, there's been peace, and he says, that city is ours, and we are going to go take it. So he should have killed him, but he didn't. And now he wanted to on his own. We know about Ahab that he hated the truth so much that he hated the truth bearer. We also know this about Ahab, and I think it's significant. He had already experienced, even as the most wicked king of Israel, the mercy of God. In chapter 21 and verse 20, we find this. And Ahab said to Elisha, now this was after... uh, Ahab went to Naboth and he said, man, you've got a nice vineyard. I'd like to have your vineyard. I tell you what, I'll trade you a vineyard for a vineyard. No, 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 how about this? I'll just pay you cash for what yours is worth. Naboth said, no, it was my inheritance. I think I'll keep it. So he goes home and his wife says, what's wrong? I could tell something's wrong. He's laying down on his bed face down. He's pouting and he won't eat. And he said, man, I went to Naboth and he wouldn't give me He wouldn't even sell me or trade me his vineyard. She said, don't worry about it. Well, we know the story. She got Naboth killed and she said, hey, guess what? The vineyard's yours. Go acquire it. And so Ahab went and acquired the vineyard and this is where we pick up. But it says, and Ahab said to Elisha, hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel, and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger, and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field, shall the fowls of the air eat. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in, all, in following idols, according to all things 
as, the, uh, uh, as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. And it came to pass when Ahab heard these words, that he rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his flesh and fasted, and lay in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbleth himself before me? Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. Now we know that God did declare that eventually he would, but then, because of Ahab's repentance, because of Ahab's humbling himself, God repented. And so Ahab had already experienced the mercy of God. Ahab already knew what God was willing to do to one who would just humble himself. We look at Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, we know from the Bible, was a good king. It's arguable, but I believe Jehoshaphat had good intentions. When I thought about this, I, at first I, I really didn't know which way to go with Jehoshaphat. We may wonder why Jehoshaphat, a good king, would join himself up with a wicked king. But I do believe that it is evident that Jehoshaphat desired the truth. I believe Jehoshaphat's really only mistake may have been that he was too naive as to think that Ahab would actually listen to the Lord. I believe Jehoshaphat desired for the truth, thinking that Ahab would receive it and would change and do what the Lord said. But we obviously know that that was not the case. About Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat knew that he was only a king and not a prophet. I'm thankful today that we have a King James Bible and as New Testament priests, we can sit down and open up the Bible to anybody that asks. Amen. But during this day, there were prophets and prophets spoke for God. And so Jehoshaphat desired the truth. He wanted the truth. He wanted Ahab to hear the truth. But Jehoshaphat knew that he was just a king and not a prophet. And so he knew Ahab needed to hear from God. And so he requested a true prophet. I believe Jehoshaphat clearly trusted God as he agreed to go to war or go to battle with Ahab and wear his armor. We see Micaiah. We know that Micaiah only cared about the truth. We know that Micaiah only cared about being faithful to God. We know that Micaiah did not care about the consequences. He told Ahab the truth before and Ahab hated him for it. You know, again, I'm not going to say something that the Bible doesn't say, but it's possible that Micaiah had been in prison these three years and Ahab had put him there. Go to chapter 20 again, verse number 35. Chapter 20, verse number 35. And a certain man of the sons of the prophets said unto his neighbor in the word of the Lord, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man refused to smite him. Now this was after Ahab had let Benadab go. Then said he unto him, Because thou hast not obeyed the voice of the Lord, behold, as soon as thou art departed from me, a lion shall slay thee. And as soon as he was departed from him, a lion found him and slew him. Then he found another man and said, Smite me, I pray thee. And the man smote him, so that in smiting he wounded him. So the prophet departed and waited for the king by the way, and disguised himself with ashes upon his face, and as the king passed by, he cried unto the king, and he said, Thy servant went out into the midst of the battle. And behold, a man turned aside and brought a man unto me, and said, Keep this man. 
If by any means he be missing, then shall thy life be for his life, or else thou shalt pay a talent of silver. And as thy servant was busy here and there, he was gone. And the king of Israel said unto him, So shall thy judgment be, thyself hast decided it. And he hasted and took the ashes away from his face. And the king of Israel discerned uh, him that he was of the prophets. And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Because thou hast let go out of thy hand a man who I appointed to utter destruction, therefore shall thy life go for his life, and thy people for his people. And the king of Israel went to his house heavy and displeased and came to Samaria. I'm not saying this prophet here was Micaiah, but somebody here had rebuked Ahab for letting Benadad go. Could have been Micaiah. It's possible that he had been in prison. We don't know. But here's what I do know in verse 26 of chapter 22. Ahab knew right where he was at. He said, I know a man and I'll go find him. And so it's possible he'd already been in prison, but we do know if he had not been, he was getting ready to go to prison. Micaiah disagreed with the 400, didn't he? As the two were sitting in their thrones and as they were waiting for Micaiah to come, the 400 were gathered around. And Micaiah, in the presence of the 400, essentially said, You're all wrong. And not only that, you're all liars. Micaiah told the king what he knew the king wouldn't want to hear. Micaiah didn't listen to Zedekiah or the messenger when the messenger told him what to say. Zedekiah smacked him on the cheek, either threw him back into prison or threw him into prison. And as he was going, Micaiah, as we already saw, said, If you make it, and so he knew that he was risking harsher consequences had he been wrong. Could you imagine if Micaiah had been wrong, what Ahab would have done when he came back? And so Micaiah very boldly proclaimed the truth. Number one this evening, we all need truth. John chapter 8, verse number 31 and verse number 32. In the words of our Lord and Savior... Jesus said, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Over in John 17, verse number 17, Jesus' prayer to the Father, He prays to God, He says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. I know on a Sunday night I'm, I'm preaching to the choir when it comes to truth. I know to a church like this I might be preaching to the choir. But may I remind us and encourage us this evening that what we all need and what the world needs is the truth. Amen. The truth shows us our need for our Savior. The truth declares to us the good news of the gospel. The truth shows us how to live and please and glorify and honor God. After we're saved, the truth keeps us on the straight and narrow. It keeps us on the right path. It keeps us from trouble. And we and the world all need the truth. I made a commitment to the Lord. Maybe not right when He called me to preach, but sometime after. Here's what I told the Lord. I said, Lord, the day that I become afraid to declare the truth is the day that I'll no longer preach. I hope I never get to that point. 
But I know the world needs the truth so much that I will not stand in the Lord's pulpit in one of the Lord's churches afraid to declare the truth. And I don't say that to brag. I don't say that to, 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 to say, well, look how spiritual and tough I am. I simply say that because I know that people need the truth. As a pastor, I have to tell people the truth. My wife doesn't always enjoy our counseling sessions. I mean, there's some people, they come to counseling and they, they ask you certain things and you have to tell them the truth. Occasionally, as a pastor, you have to ask people, can we have a conversation? And we have to tell people the truth. As a pastor, I have people that have told me, I'm so thankful that you were willing to tell me the truth. And then I've got people, I don't even know where they're at because they're mad at me. Because <laughs> I told them the truth. And then there's people in between. We still talk and we still have a good relationship, but it's a little weird <laughs> because of what took place. And so I'm thankful tonight for those that believe that they need the truth. Number two tonight, some don't want the truth. Someone said it like this. They said, truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Some, we might say many, are not interested. I look at your church this evening and I think, what a tremendous church this is. And I've not been to any other churches in the area, but if it's anything like my area, the other churches are just busting at the seams. So-called churches, by the way. They're not scriptural churches. And it's because many are not interested in truth. You're here this evening because you are interested in truth. And I'm thankful for that. But the number of people that are here this evening versus the number of people that are not here this evening doesn't even come close. Because you want the truth and many don't. They want their own truth. You see, the reality of the matter is the truth goes against our plans, doesn't it? We think we know what we want and what we need. We know what our desires are. We know what we want to do. And the truth goes against that. The truth, the truth goes against our flesh and our nature. And again, what we think we need and that which we desire. And so we as natural people do not always like the truth. The truth is not convenient. The truth is not what we think we need to hear. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Over in chapter 4 we read in verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Listen, I love my church. I don't pastor a big church. It's a small church.
But I pastor a church that wants the truth and desires the truth and loves the truth. And I'm thankful for the people that God has given me. I'm thankful for those that allow their pastor to preach the truth. By the way, you should be thankful to God every day that you have pastors that will preach you the truth. And that's what you have. But I tell my church, I remind them constantly. If we want more people, we could just quit preaching the truth. If we want a bigger church, if we want this and if we want that, if we want all the cars in the parking lot like the neighbors, then we could just quit preaching the truth. But God has called us to preach the truth. He's not called us to conform to society. He's not called us as a church to uh, uh, appeal to the world. He's called us to be a lighthouse. He's called us to be a beacon of truth. And whether there's five of us or 500 of us, we are going to be a place where anybody can come and hear the truth. And as a result, we're going to have empty seats and empty pews. We all need the truth. Some don't want the truth. But number three, we must proclaim the truth. In 2 Timothy 4, where we were just at, verses 1 and 2, says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Jesus told us in his great commission to the church, he said, teaching them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Paul said he shunned not to declare all the counsel of God. Isaiah 55, verse number 11. Isaiah 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. As churches and as individuals, we must proclaim the truth. We must understand it's what people need, whether they want to hear it or not. Whether their minds are made up or not, they need us to proclaim the truth. Any time the truth is proclaimed, there's hope. Ahab had already experienced the mercy of God. And so when that truth was proclaimed to him, you know what? And I know, I know God had already declared and God had sent the Spirit and, 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 and I understand all of that. But he had already experienced God's mercy and so as long as the word was preached, as long as the word was declared, there was hope for him to listen, for him to turn, for him to humble himself. The gospel is truth and the gospel is the power of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. We know that. To be honest, rare are those who will tell you the truth. You might say, oh no, we have this many pastors and they tell us the truth. I understand that. But you had to go looking for it, didn't you? And you found a place. And it might be the only place around that preaches the truth. But rare are those who will tell you the truth. You may have to seek them out. I'll also tell you this. Plentiful are those who won't tell you the truth or will tell you 
what you want to hear. You know one of the reasons why I can't stand social media, especially Facebook? Because you can get anybody on there to tell you anything you want to hear. And I think that's why a lot of people are on there. I mean, you can go on Facebook with all your followers and all of them and well, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But you can go on there and you can say, oh, boo-hoo, I'm just, I'm just such a terrible husband. And you might be. But all your followers respond, no. You're a wonderful husband. You're the best. Don't say that. No, don't. And all your followers are just telling you what you want to hear. And you know what you're doing. You went on there and said what you said because you wanted them to say what they said. I'm not against that stuff, but if if you can't use it for the right reasons, then you need to get off of it. You'll be hard-pressed to find someone to tell you the truth, but you'll find plenty of people who won't. Proclaiming the truth will cost you, but it will always be worth it. I want to conclude with this. I'll be done. Let's be like Jehoshaphat and desire the truth as individuals. Let's be like Jehoshaphat and seek the truth out, whatever the cost might be. Let's be like Jehoshaphat and say, I don't know if that's right. Let's find out. Let's be like Micaiah as individuals and as a church. Let's plainly, boldly, and unashamedly Declare the truth. Let's be like Micaiah and not worry about the consequences of what the truth might cost. The truth might cost you a friendship. The truth might cost you some fellowship. The truth might cost you mockery and scorn. The truth might cost your family uh, or might cost you your family shunning you or whatever the case might be. Any of those things could happen. The truth might uh, uh, cause you to be Mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. But it's God's truth. And it's what people need. Well, what if they don't listen? Then God is glorified and honored because His truth was declared. And if they won't listen, then that's all that matters. Because it's God's truth. And whether people listen or not, it's His truth and it needs to be declared. Let's be faithful to the truth as individuals and as a church.